You are listening to Mountain Bike Radio. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Just Riding Along, brought to you by Pro Gold, Tarantulas, and Pro Gold again. Uh, we are just going through old photos on Matt's phone, and aside from the 50% nude selfies that are in there... <laughs> No, 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 they're not, they're not like he's half nude. It's that half of the pictures that's, are nude selfies. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Okay. Yeah. Um, other than the nude selfies, he does have a picture of a tarantula in Arkansas uh, that he and Kenny almost ran over, but the tarantula apparently jumped up and tried to run them off the road first. No joke, this tarantula is so big. By the way, for the record, there's not 50% nude selfies on my phone. I have those <laughs> saved on the clouds, okay? Uh, I I hope those hackers hear this. I did, in fact. We were driving down the road and we saw this tarantula. We're not going to name where we were because apparently people are tired of hearing about Solomo. Um, so you uh, guys had some good rides so, that weekend, or was that the weekend that, that I was, that was I busted race. my knee? That was the race weekend. Okay. Oh God! Yeah, there go the cats. Stop. Anyways, we have an action-packed show tonight uh, with special thanks to Industry 9. Uh, they are offering a little more support for the show this evening. Uh, we get a continual support from ProGold for the show. However, this week, Industry 9 is helping us a little bit more, so we appreciate that. And we would appreciate you going to Industry9.net and perusing what they offer while we talk about everything we're going to talk about tonight during the show. Uh, you will probably find something anodized and an exotic color that by the end of this episode, we could have you convinced you cannot live without. For sure. Um, Kenny just built up some wheels that you cannot live without. Uh, yeah, I guess we'll just dive into that real quick then. So uh, Knox Composites came out with a new rim hoop that I really, really was excited about. It was something I wanted them to build probably, I mean, shoot, right after they released their first rim hoops, and I realized that they were a good company and didn't make shit. Um, I really wanted them. I was really happy with their 29er rim that they had. The I believe it's called the XCR. Is that right? XCR 29er. Okay, so the the only rim really they had in the in the 29 realm for the longest time. 23 mil internal, um, decent weight. But to me, I wanted a little shallower rim, something a little racier, a little lighter. But I still really like that wide internal width. And sure enough. They came out with the Skyline 29, which is still 23 mil internal, but it's a lot shorter, uh, so it's a lot lighter. Um, so it should have... I haven't actually ridden the set that I built just yet. Uh, I built some for a customer first instead of uh, my own. However, uh, just the way they built up and the way they felt without spokes in them, just kind of bending them around a little bit and everything, they seem awesome. So they built up super, super nice. Basically what, they're, what they are from kind of the seat of the pants feeling are... A little bit lighter than a Stan's Crest, but probably the same stiffness as a Flow. So, not like overly ridiculous stiff, but that kind of like really good compromise. So it's exactly what like I'd want out of a carbon rim, which is the real burly aluminum wheel, you know, reliability, but uh, the super, super lightweight of the Crest. But you just don't have to, you can ride it like a Flow. Um, but anyway, I built up a 28-hole set front and rear with some DT Super Comp spokes, so a little bit, uh, I don't want to say inexpensive, but a little bit cheaper spokes compared to all the bladed stuff that's out there. Maybe with high quality, but like no frills. 
yeah, they're the factory spokes that come on like every factory ZTR stands build. Are they double or triple butted? They're triple butted. Okay. Yeah. So 1.8 at the uh, nipple end, 1.7 in the middle, and 2.0 at the J bend that uh, connects to the hub. But yeah, really nice. They built up really, really good. They built up real fast. They, you know, no, no surprises. Um, you know, I built them to uh, the slightly higher tension that they uh, that they request. Although you're kind of open, you can kind of build them any way you want. Um, I would imagine most people would build them 100 kilograms to 120 kilograms. I built them like between 110 and 120. Uh, but yeah, they built up really cool. And uh, if you're curious, 28 hole. Industry 9 classic uh, J-Bend hubs with um, uh, 28-hole count, the Super Count spokes, and the Skyline Knox carbon rim hoops. They are with tape and valves, uh, and the stands valves too, not the aluminum ones. So the regular old brass, whatever, steel, whatever they're made out of, um, they weigh fourteen ninety for the set. So... Pretty cool. That's nice. That's I mean, that's, really, that's really a strong, good. light wheel right yeah, there. Yeah, so it's a quite a bit lighter than a full stand ZTR uh, crest set. And that was with Industry 9 hubs. And Industry 9 hubs, so you get the real high engagement. What, what color did she get? Uh, she went black hubs, so just real simple. Black on black on black. Um, they are silver nipples, though. And silver. Yeah. <laughs> so black on black on some silver. Uh, but yeah, really, really cool. I'm really looking forward to riding them myself because um, I have purchased a set. They're just not here yet. I've got my hubs and my spokes. Um, I'm building mine with CX Ray. Uh, spokes, uh, I want a little bit lighter build. I'm shooting for about 1450 for the set because that's what I'm coming off of right now. My set weighs 1450. So I'm going to keep it the same, but I want to get a little more lateral stiffness and I want to be able to, uh, to ride them hard and absolutely not worry about them. So that's the deal. So I've got nothing but good stuff to say about the Knox and, uh, so far and the Industry 9 stuff as usual is pretty awesome. I've actually, just so people know you can do it, and I'm not like advocating this or anything. Um, I really, really don't like draggy free hubs. Uh, so what I've done on the Industry 9s on these customer bikes, and we'll see how they like it, is I've taken three of the paws out. Don't do that. So they are, you can definitely do that. Don't so do that. Why not do that? So stands are 30 point engagement. And that's what like is kind of just a decent industry standard, like not bad. Not like super low count, but not super high count. I'm come from the ZTR 30 point engagement and they have very, very little drag. Uh, so anyway, if you take out three paws in the I9, um, you get substantially less free hub drag. And that's kind of nice. I like that. So, I think you're smoking crack. Hey, that's fine. Some people will say you can only ride 240 point engagement. Like, oh, I only ride Capius, you know, whatever <laughs> it is. So. All right. So I'm going to, oh. I'll answer that. Um, that drag doesn't exist. You think that drag is there, but it's not. Have you pedaled one of those bikes backwards? Like, with both setups? It's a huge difference. Like, if you pedal the 120 point backwards really fast, it will, like, drag the chain on the ground. You don't I've never... Much. I've never had that. I mean, I have pedaled it backwards a lot, like, lubing the chain and then being like, huh... Look, the wheel moves a little bit, and then trying to pedal it backwards a whole lot, and it it doesn't really... I mean, I've never had a problem. Like For what that. it's worth, I noticed the difference. I chose to do it. And it's something that I9... I'm just passing the word along, not saying it's the right thing to do. Um, it's one of my quirky things that I like to do. Um, Industry 9 does support it, though. Like, 
You also don't like mayonnaise. It's, it's okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> I also don't like America. Uh, I don't like polar bears. But no, really, like... I don't like reading. <laughs> but Industry 9 says you can do it. I'm not doing something that's, like, sketch balls as far as the functionality of the hub, like you're going to break something. Because basically the way their Paul setup works, there are 60 teeth inside of the free hub body, and three of those Pauls engage at a time. And then between those, the other three would kick in. So that's where you get your 120-point engagement from. So you can just choose any three alternating Pauls, pull them out, and you'll get 60 points. So, I mean, the fact of the matter is, if you go from, I am having the amount of metal contact that's going on in that hub during a rotation. So, like, it is what it is. You can say there's not less drag, but there is less drag. Now, if the if that amount, well, yeah, I mean, there's definitely going to okay, be well, less. Hold on, hold on, let me let me make something very obvious. There's fifty percent less drag. Sure. Yeah, I yeah, exactly. There's there. physics but, say there is less drag. Well, no, but, not just less drag, but fifty percent less Paul drag. Yes, so right. Fifty percent fewer Pauls. Sure, I get that. I understand. That. Yes, and I'm educated. And I can understand that part. Yes, but I'm saying on a single speed with a good chain line. After breaking out that initial oil, yeah. even without the chain really tight, my wheel doesn't turn my cranks. I thought that was going to be a problem on the cross bike, but it just turned out that my hubs weren't broken in yet. Yeah. So if I can coast at my with my wife at like a running pace and it doesn't move my pedals, like I don't see... Yeah, so it is. That's what I was about no, to say. It is. Enough. It is fifty percent less drag, but the well, I say that. But a hundred percent of the drag is not really that much drag. Fifty percent less Paul drag. However, there are there's still drag just in the seals of the bearings and all that. That doesn't change. Like that's staying the same. So I'm not saying that I'm reducing the entire drag of the free hub action by fifty percent because I'm not. The actual Pauls, yes, fifty percent. But anyway. I notice it, like, if you just have the hub in your hand, and you have 120 points in there, and you spin it backwards, and you take those three paws out, and you do the exact same thing, it's noticeably freer. Whether that makes a difference, can't really tell you. I'm a stickler. I love wheels that just spin, like, real free bearings. That's one thing I loved about the American Classic hubs. Those suckers spin forever. Especially the free hub. I mean, that thing just spins and spins and spins. And if you look at how their design is, there's only that one little nub that engages everything. So it's that one little piece of spring that's hitting all the way around instead of multiple paws. The downside to the American Classic hubs is that they suck. So (laughs) the reason they suck is because since this one little point of engagement um, and that moves all those other contraptions, like... Once it starts to engage, it takes like another freaking like quarter rotation to um, to engage the hub. So anyway, that's just the whole American Classic setup. But regardless, I really like the i9 stuff, and they give you options. So it gives you something to tinker with. If you want to mess around and you're bored and you want to see what it feels like to take three paws out, go for it. Try it. It's real quick and easy to do. Just keep track of your little springs. Um, and if Those you little springs will vaporize. They do fly out, yeah. It's really um, easy to not screw that up, though. <laughs> uh, but anyway, it's just something to mess with if you guys are curious or someone's really, really bored. Uh, you can try it. So, And I've ridden them with the 120. They're fine. I mean, I'm not saying that they're not good with 120 point because 99% of people are going to run them 120 point. But just throwing it out there that if you're really bored, 
you can do it. So that's my I nine and my knock story. What are we doing? Uh, what are we doing next? Uh, well, this is the part of the show where we talk about what's happened in the last week. Hmm. Um, well, I can just keep talking then. Yeah, you go crazy. So. You kind of broke yourself. You got to make up for your Ebola last week. Yeah, yeah. So I, uh, I was just riding the local trails and uh, like just riding along. I was just riding along, and uh, yeah, I just uh, I just low sided. Simple as that. I just ran out of traction everywhere, and uh, it's almost like you ride these little penny weight small tires. <laughs> Uh, no, I was running my usual combo, my ardent front icon rear, 2.25 and 2.0, or 2.2.0, whatever it is. And, yeah, just ran out of traction on a little bit off-camber, slightly slick corner, and, uh, man, that front end of that bike pushed forever. I mean, if you look at the tracks, <laughs> I really should have taken a picture of it. Um, they were those weird, like... You're crashing sideways tire tracks that you ever yeah. that you see once in a while on the trail. And it like it pushes up a pile like a, a leaf berm under the side of the yeah, trail. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, it was a solid, probably like no shit, 20 feet long. Like it was huge. It was the front tire pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed. And I stayed with the bike and I thought I had it and it was going to recover. And it just never recovered and uh, ended up dislocating my shoulder, unfortunately. But I popped it back in all Rambo style and it's good to go now. So What movie was that? The old movie? I don't matter. Uh, maybe Mel the Rambo. Wasn't it Mel Gibson? Mel Gibson in a whole bunch of people have done that in movies. I don't even know. Oh God, I can't remember. But yeah, it was definitely when it was dislocated. I was like, my first priority was to make it not dislocated again. That was uh, that was priority one. So it was probably only popped out for ten or fifteen seconds before I decided that it needed to be popped back in again. Um. But, yep, so I'm taking it easy. I'll do some physical therapy. Good times. But it's really, really crappy here this week, so I'm not going to be doing a whole lot. Lethal Weapon 2. <laughs> I knew it was something with Mel Gibson. <laughs> it was Lethal Weapon. Awesome. <laughs> God, these pictures of him look crazy. He is crazy. <laughs> oh, man. If you were curious if Mel Gibson is crazy, the answer is yes. <laughs> Um, Matt, what happened to you in the last week? Anything interesting? No. Okay. No. Why were you flipping your computer off just a minute ago? I'm trying to do something very simple. There's a picture that's orientate, oriented in a uh, landscape fashion on my computer. And when I try to upload it to Twitter, it makes it portrait. portrait. But on the computer, you don't get the option to rotate it or anything. So I rotated the picture internally 90 degrees opposite of what Twitter was doing to it and uploaded it and it didn't rotate at that time. So I have this picture that I wanted to put on Twitter that I'd kind of forgotten was in my phone and I can't put it on Twitter and it's just one of those things where it's like, oh you don't want me to do that? Oh you won't let me do it this way either? Oh okay, how about how how about you die? <laughs> That's just how I felt about it, so Mm. Like right now, I wish I had Christian's 240 to just burn the tires off of. That's how I feel about it. You should always feel that way. <laughs> We've been watching lots of Top Gear. Oh, awesome. You That's know, I don't, I don't like the, the American. I mean, they're, they're both very entertaining. Oh, the American Top Gear is shit. Don't tell me you're watching that. We've watched some oh, of it. Oh, that's horrible. Please don't do that. I mean, it's not really, it's, I'd say it's entertaining, but those guys are kind of like macho chodes. Oh, it's like Motor Trend. <laughs> Motor trend. I can't believe that. 
Welcome to another episode of Motor Trend. Well, they're just... We're looking at the trunk space of the new Toyota Camry. Like, I don't give a shit, dude. They're trying to be way too much like the other guys. And you can tell they're trying really hard. Yeah. See, the other guys, they're just kind of like... That's just how they are. They're just kind of like naturally cheeky English people. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 like, the first time I watched it, I was like, that's like just riding along, but with a $2 million budget. Yeah. And sure enough... With a BBC... Endlessly billion dollar budget. Yeah, who is it? Jeremy Clarkson, the kind of lead guy. He mm-hmm. truly is in real life, kind of. He's kind of an asshole, kind of a racist. Like you know, he's <laughs> fairly entertaining. <laughs> I thought that Matt was more like Richard Hammond, uh, the little guy. Maybe a little bit. Kind of crazy. Matt's a little too angry to be Richard Hammond. I think. You think so? Yeah. Does that mean I I get to be Richard Hammond? Yeah, I think so. I because I definitely think you're the other guy with the long hair. Oh, the the, the old guy. the old guy. The old guy who likes everything 1920s? Maybe, yeah. Something like that. <laughs> uh, good stuff. So now all we need is for the BBC to pick up Just Riding Along and give us a budget. So a real problem. Uh, we were watching Top Gear, and at the last minute, Dodge decided to pull out and not supply a new Challenger form a couple of years ago. Yeah. And uh, because they were like, you're always ragging on our cars, you know what, you're not going to drive one. And Top Gear was just like, you know, I'll go to the Dodge dealer. Like they were, like, they just went and bought one. Yeah, they they were like, and Richard's not here because he doesn't have a Challenger to drive. And then he drives up, and they're like, I thought you weren't getting one. He's like, Oh, I went and bought it. Which <laughs> yeah, is like a big middle finger to. Well, the British one. Are you talking about the British one? Or the yeah, US it was one? a British well, one. Well, the British one did a the U.S. version. They came over here and they uh, drove, they were driving uh, muscle cars. They I got gotcha. uh, a bunch of uh, high performance. Yeah, American. Cars. And they do that, which I really like. So, for example, if like the latest. Ferrari or whatever's not available, they'll go find some rock star or something that has one personally and they'll just borrow it and do a road review on on some dudes. Like when the uh what was it? The Ferrari Enzo came out. Like Ferrari wouldn't give them one, so they just get, they got one from, you know, some band member and uh, they just drove the crap out of it. Uh, pretty awesome. That's what we need to do with bikes. So we just need to I know, that's why I said we need the BBC to pick us up. No, go ahead and crinkle that wrapper right in the, uh, I'm gonna, in the microphone. Old, I'm like an old person. Old person in church with a hard candy. Mmm, get me a hard candy. Mm. <laughs> we, we do actually have... Uh, do you want to move on to the emails? I do. We have a bunch of emails tonight. Okay. Uh, it's going to be kind of hard to pick one because I'm going to be biased. And by being biased, I don't know if my That's opinion okay. should count. Well, you really mean, good. That was 89 cents. We're, wow. we're always biased. It's all right. So what we should we should start this by saying if you want your question to be read on air, we, you need to send in a good question. And what will make a good question is um, share all the information that's important. Be so, very specific. Yeah. Uh, tell us what your bike is, make, model, size, what your height is, what your weight is, what your riding style is, any information regarding your question. So if you want to know about tires and you just tell me that you live in the desert, it's like, well, are you riding on a road bike in the desert? Or, you you know, like, we need to know what you're doing. Um, and you can email those questions to info at mountainbikeradio.com. And if your question is the best question of the night, which is going to be picked in a very non-subjective way, uh, we will get you something. And that's it's something... It's a totally subjective way. It's not... When subjective? Subjective no. just Subjective means- is really opinionated. Oh, yeah. oh. Yeah, objective it's is totally, like... It's totally non-objective. <laughs> That's what I meant to say. I was kind of... I double negative myself. There. It's a totally... We pick them totally subjectively. We will. Yeah. There's lots of bias. 
Yeah. Like, if we know you, you're definitely going to win over someone we don't know. Uh, so, we got a couple <laughs> of questions tonight. Um, and one of those questions is from, oh, I got off a little bit. Uh, Grant, his question is, hi guys, I'm fo- finally going to upgrade my stock Bontrager tires. I ride in West Virginia. West Virginia. I am new at riding, so I don't know how it compares to where you ride, but I would describe it as not super hard packed, rooty in spots, and at times wet. I ride a little gravel also. I, I don't know anything about West Virginia. West Virginia, as far as I can tell, there's not a I've single... I've never heard of anybody that actually lived in West Virginia. There's well, not a single flat spot is it in a real West place? Virginia. Well, Grant as far lives as there, I know. and I think it's west of Virginia, so I think I think it's up there. And I'm pointing vaguely north. But I really, like, I've heard, like people are from all over the place. Nobody's ever from West Virginia. Grant's really from West weird. Virginia. How big is it? I mean, it's big enough to hold Grant. It's it's like Virginia, except on the west side of Virginia. Man. I mean, I don't know. There's anyway, I just, I can't picture anything. Like, most every state, I've got, like, a mental picture of. And, it's like, kind I lived of a, in the, I lived in the Northeast for It's a like while. the shape of a really skinny dick with large balls. Whoa. Is it? That got really... <laughs> so, are, is your entire state knowledge, Andrea, all about genitalia? <laughs> Only the ones that are shaped like them. <laughs> well, West Virginia... Vaguely. West Virginia, uh, it runs up kind of the side of Pennsylvania by Pittsburgh. It has a little finger. That it's goes up, up that up high? Over. Yeah, look I, at it. Did I stutter? I mean, I'm looking at the map. You, a minute ago, you didn't know what it looked like, and now you're telling me that I'm wrong in how it looks. Come on. Look, it's... So, there's the... The border of it. So why do we not hear anything about West Virginia? They got, like, mountains and shit? West Virginia is just all hills. Like, there's nothing flat in West Virginia from, like, any of the driving I've done on the interstate through West Virginia. It's just, like, pimples. Like, the whole thing is like that. It's crazy. There's not a single flat spot there. Hmm. Yeah, it's pretty. It's really pretty. I don't know what it's like. We need to go to West Virginia now. Off the interstate, really, but it's it's a very pretty state to drive through. Do they have electricity there? <laughs> oh, Kenny. That's why we keep you around. <laughs> Matt's trying so hard to not laugh. Did he post this question from a Starbucks in, in regular Virginia? Where they have electricity? All right, I'm sorry. I slightly interrupted your, your mojo there. You were in the middle of reading his question about tires. <laughs> oh, God. Go gosh. ahead. I'll be okay. <laughs> Currently, I have a Bontrager 29 one expert. Wait. A Bontrager. Jesus, what kind of tire name is that? Bontrager 29 one expert. 29 by 2.2. I was thinking of Max's Ardent. Only. I was thinking Max's Ardents, only as some people have raved about them. Upon asking on MTBR forums, I've also heard suggestions on Max's downhill rear two and downhill front two tires. I am riding tubeless. What do you guys suggest? Also, if you have time, how do you determine what the best width tire and how wide you can go even as I am totally new and clueless? I have a 2012 Trek Superfly aluminum fork is a Fox Evolution Float 29. Thanks, Grant. G. Rizzle. So we're trying to look up this tire. I'm familiar with, I believe it's called the XR1, maybe, and that's a really racy this is, tire. But it's I just think that's like different. blocks. I mean, it's like. Yeah, that's not a. 
It's nothing fancy. No, it's that doesn't just strike a, me. It doesn't strike me as a bad tire. Just looking at it. But yeah, I mean, it looks. It's not. Yeah, it's like a a medium tire. Yeah, it's I mean, compare it to something in a Maxxis. Um, it looks slightly more aggressive than an Icon. Possibly. Yeah. So yeah. it's like between an Icon and an Ardent Race. Yeah, probably. So he should probably run like an Ardent two point two five in the front and an Ardent Race two point two five in the rear. I think that'd be a pretty good recommendation. Yeah, yeah or even an Icon in the rear if you wanted something a little lighter. But I really like that Ardent Race as a rear tire. But um, I mean, I like to you know. I'll say that if you own a bike that has oh here we go the twenty nine one utilizes a similar central a similar central row of blocks to the former XR one. Okay, so it sounds like it might be. A replacement for the XR1, which is the one I'm familiar with. So, the XR1's got really, really tiny knobs. So it's like yeah, this uh, is like kind of like I don't know, like dime-sized squares in rows. Okay, plenty of space between them. It's yeah, it's just a medium tire. Yeah, I think that the ardent, um, the ardent combo would work on work for him. But just remember to get the ones that have the EXO sidewall protection. You don't want to get the normal ones. They're not very tough. So if you hit a rock, it'll just start like... Unless you're Kenny. It'll just start... No, my recommendation is any rear Maxxis get the EXO protection. Same way with if you went Schwalbe. If you get a Schwalbe on the rear, uh, it better have snakeskin or you're going to be completely screwed. I like it on the front too. I'm not saying you shouldn't have it on the front, but like I have way more issues with rear tires than I do fronts, just in general. And most people that I see that roll through the shop that have cut tires and et cetera, et cetera, are usually on the rear. Uh huh. I mean, rear wheels, rear tires, the rear of your bike takes a freaking beating. So, so the front can tell you, but when you like get rough with the rear, it, it just doesn't do so well. Yep. <laughs> oh man. Yep. So, you can be pretty rough with the front though. <laughs> Oh god. Um so is that uh is that our winner or is it someone else? Oh no, we have lots of questions. Okay. Well, let's keep on plowing these questions. Um Art N says, "You reference the XX1 chain as being one of the most durable chains on the market. After racing Iceman Cometh in Michigan on Saturday, I am in need of a new chain. I have a SRAM 2x10 X7 Xon set up on a 2012 stump jumper. Will the XX chain work?" That's a really good question. No. What? Uh, the way the ramps are and like the way it's chamfered on the outside, a front derailleur, it'll work, but it's like sketchy. Oh shit. It wants to like hang on to With the, the front derailleur? Yeah. Oh, oh, I thought it would work because it was just a chain. I thought that it was just a really tough chain. It's got different profiles on the plates. So like you can do it. I've tried it before. Oh, I feel so bad. I just assumed that, like, I'm like, well, SRAM just rebranded their chain and like. No, it's significantly different. Have you noticed that the newest... So, like, when the XX1 chains first came out, they were hollow plate. Yes. And then they revamped them to not be hollow plate. Yes. Have you noticed they are less durable now? Uh, I have not. I mean, like, I don't mean less durable like they wear out real fast. Like, they're, like, normally mortal now. Interesting. I don't know if that's true or not. I've got one on my bike now, and I don't know how many miles I have on it. Because I have that, that first hollow plate one that I got. I rode for over a year. Yeah. And I rode it a lot. And I took it off before the Enduro Clinic. Yeah. And replaced, I replaced, or no, I replaced it before, I guess, the last race I did. Just because it's like, I need to just go ahead and replace this because Mm -hmm. it's 
close enough. It was like 0.38. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even like all the way stretched yet. It's like, I'm just going to be riding this a bunch. I just need to go ahead and replace it. And I did. And then, but then like the chain that I put on my hardtail, um, like the Cisco when I first got it, mm-hmm. which is, um, I guess that was like midsummer. It was a few weeks before Dirty Kanza. Yeah. Like in May. Mm-hmm. That chain is worn the fuck out. Uh, are you running two by on any of those bikes? Are they all? No, they're one by. Oh, they aren't. Okay. I don't know what to say. Uh, it wore I've... out. I mean, granted, I, I did a few more miles on it, but not as many. I mean, I could go and look like in Strava at which bikes I've ridden where, but I wouldn't say it's more miles than what I put on the other one. Yeah, that's weird. Uh, quite a few customers have been through both chains now, and they seem to be about the same. I'm still getting, on average, 1,500 miles out of the new XX1 chain, so seems to be about the same. It's still definitely better than anything on the market that I've tried so far. You know, those sure KMC, the KMC chains that, uh, the 10 speed ones that I was using before that. Those seem- were good. Those were the second, those are probably my second choice. But unfortunately, right now. So that's probably what this guy should be in, you know, yes. Yes. If he has a two by setup, the, um, X10 SL. The X10 SL is a really, really good chain. Probably cheaper too. Comes in gold. Yeah, the gold one's eighty bucks. I think the regular one is maybe sixty or seventy for the silver one. So it's still. Or you can get the black one that costs like yeah hundred or something. It's still unfortunately. <laughs> it comes in, it comes in a uh, velvet lined box. It's XX one money still. XX one is sixty bucks. I actually want to try out um, the X one chain. I've got a few customers on those now. Forty bucks. So I think it's going to be a really ball and chain for forty bucks. So if you're on a super budget, X1. So, but only works with one buy. Sorry, sorry, Art. If you've already bought that chain, I'm, I'm an I'm an idiot. Well, I mean, it's it will shift. It definitely does not shift as cleanly as a non one buy chain. And he probably does shift the front, given that there is nothing flat in West Virginia. No, different guy. Oh, that was the tire guy. That was sorry. the tire guy. All right. So, and then his second question is. Will the ceramic pulleys for XO work with my setup? Um, and I just said, don't waste your money. Um, yeah, yeah, you don't have to do that. Ceramic pulleys cost so much for so little benefit. Yeah. And I've seen more people nursing along these half-worn-out ceramic pulleys instead of, like, because people get ceramic pulleys, they're like, oh, but you can rebuild them. I'm like, yeah, but you can feel there's some bad, crunchy, like, nasty bearing races in there. They're like, oh, you can rebuild them. And it's like... Or if you had plastic ones, you could throw them away and buy new ones and they would spin properly. We've talked about this before on the show, but my general opinion on ceramic bearings are if you've got the money or a part comes with them and it's road related and it's on your road bike, like great, go for it. Because probably they're going to last a long ass time. In a mountain bike environment, man, I don't know. Like you can, you can nurse them back to life, but. And if you're the type of the person that rides your road bike, like in. In places that aren't necessarily paved roads in nice weather. Um, you know, if you're on like dirt roads and you also ride in bad weather, uh, that goes for you too. Yeah. So ceramic bearings are great when conditions are pristine. Uh, and they truly do have less drag and all that good stuff. But in a mountain bike environment, they're so, the thing about those ceramic bearings is they're so precise and the tolerances are so tight on them. If you get one speck of anything in there, sand, dust, dirt, whatever it is, gone. <laughs> yeah. Well, what they do is they actually just lock up. Like, they're not ruined, but that little piece jams up the whole setup, and then you've got to take them apart, you got to clean them, then re-grease them, and they'll probably be fine again. 
Um, but to me, like the utilitarian purpose of a mountain bike, I don't really see the benefit of ceramic bearings. So take that for what it's worth. I mean, the way I look at it is if ceramic bearings cost exactly what regular old cheapo bearings cost, I might try them. But the fact is that they're like 10 times as much as a regular bearing. And because they're 10 times as more expensive, I would expect them to be like that much more baller, but they're really, they're really not. So, yeah. There you go. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I agree with what Kenny said for sure. Um, yeah, don't, don't do that. That's one thing we did leave out last week. We gave some advice on what to do with your bike after, um, you've been through like a muddy, crappy race like that Iceman. Um, make sure that your police. I just want to point out real quick that Matt is actively putting on a Snuggie. You put it on backwards. Well, that was on purpose because I'm sitting in front of this really cold window and I wanted to pull it up on my head like this. Don't. You know, there's no reason to take my picture right now. There's like, lots of reasons to take <laughs> your picture right yeah. now. That is so. That is so <laughs> mad. Yeah, you don't know it's mad right now. <laughs> you guys have to go back on Twitter and find that. Go to Brickhouse MTB on Twitter. Um, you'll see it. You have no idea how cold I am right now. I know that window really is cold. It's like a gigantic drafty window. It has like it's like a. I'm sure, like, like if you if you put one of those surface under. thermometers on his butt cheek, it would read probably like 70 degrees right now. I bet it like sucks. Like my hands are losing circulation. You want to come around on this side of the table? No, I like my side of the table. I don't <laughs> want to be over there with you guys. <laughs> All right, so Tim sends a question in. Hey guys, I'm a new listener and Memphis local. Wait, I, I hadn't finished with that. Well, I was just going to say, check your pulleys after a bad race, because a lot of times they kind of bind up. Mm-hmm. Um, some pulleys, you can take them apart and put some grease on, like, if they're bushing pulleys. Like, uh, X9s, I think, were like that. Or at least, like, the 9-speed stuff was. Some like, of the stuff is. Most all derailleur pulleys, non-ceramic, are 20 bucks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just get new derailleur pulleys. And that gets you new pulleys. Like, the actual Delrin won't be all worn out, like, of the actual pulley teeth. And yeah. then you get new bearings on top of that. So, 20 bucks, like, just do it. It's yeah, yeah. Just just replace those. Um, not with ceramic. Okay, Matt, go ahead. What? Read your question, Snuggy Monk. Hey, guys. I'm a new listener in Memphis Local. I've been riding for the past couple of years and looking to upgrade from this. And Tim sends a great question in. He has a hyperlink to his bike, which is a, a very entry-level felt and I hadn't opened that up because I know what Tim's bike looks like. Uh, it's the first mountain bike I've owned. Uh, it's the Nine Trail from 2012, but it was a $700 bike with a cable actuated brakes, an RST or Suntour level fork. Uh, very, very basic everything. Uh, not a nice quality bike. And if he's been riding it for now, let's just say he rode it 12, 13, and 14. He's got three years on it. Uh, it, it it's upgrading time. Uh, it's the first bike I've owned, and it's time to pass it on to one of my brothers. I think I met Matt last summer at Stanky when I snapped the hanger off of my bike, and he ended up giving me a new one. I did. Uh, he says, thanks again. You're welcome again. Uh, thank you for taking that hanger out of my junk bin, because I kept thinking I should sell it on eBay, but couldn't really imagine selling a hanger for $20 and then shipping it. Anyways, um... I want to know what your thoughts are on this bike at price point. And it is a, he sent another hyperlink to the Airborne Air Goblin Evolution Trail 29er. It's on sale right now with free shipping and no tax. I'm not looking to spend over $2,000 and it seems it has much better components than is what available, 
what is available on a stash, a crave, anything like that. Do you know much about this brand or the frame quality? Uh, so we'll catch up all those out there in listener land. The Air Goblin is on sale for $1,300. It's an aluminum frame, 142 by 12 rear end. It comes with a Revelation fork, uh, a SRAM crank, SRAM X7 front and rear derailleur. I'm sorry, front derailleur and shifters, an X9 Type 2 rear derailleur, and uh, haze brakes. So it's a hardtail. Mm-hmm. With a revelation fork, it's a it's a stash. Oh, it's a stash. Okay, it's I like got a it. stash. So it's like a one twenty one forty mil. So travel. it's a one twenty hardtail. Okay, yeah. I got gotcha. you. Um, I got it over. This has, uh, the, like on the airborne site that I'm looking at, it says it has uh, Elixir Seven. That's the Goblin. This is the Goblin Evolution. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Well, they made a Goblin, which is like a 100 millimeter bike, oh, and then they made the okay. Goblin Evolution, which is a 120 hardtail. Okay, sorry. So if you just went to his email and clicked on his... I'm sorry, I just looked at... Damn. Clicked on his beautifully embedded hyperlink, which makes it impossible for us to mess this up. Just saying. I'm sorry I went to the Airborne website and just looked at Goblin. Uh, Go ahead. It's in metallic Mexico blue. It is a pretty great color. Um... The geometry of the... I'm primarily concerned about not being able to test ride the bike before buying it. Well, that's a very valid concern. Uh, the geometry of the stash is similar to this bike. And it, looks, the, it looks like it has short chain stays. That's just a random Yeah, and he says, observation. I've ridden the bike around. It's hard to tell how it'll feel on the trail as far as my ability. I've got pretty good fitness, and I ride primarily on the weekends here in St. Louis. I've never been to Arkansas, but I have to schedule a trip now after it's been hyped by your show so much. I'm not a racer, but I do like to ride as hard as my limits will allow and I feel I've outgrown the felt uh, that I'm currently riding. Of course, I'd like to support my local shops, but I want to get as much bike as I can for my money. Uh, hoping that your expert <coughs> opinions can shed some light on this bike and brand before I make a decision. Let me know if you need some more info from me. 435 millimeter chain stays? That's really short. I have 440s on the Crave. So, uh, What I would do if I were Tim... Does he say how tall he is? He's 5'7". Okay. Or sorry, 5'10", five, five, 160. Okay. Riding so needs, a 17 and a half right So he now. needs a medium. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's what he's riding right now is a medium. Okay. <clears throat> hey, it comes with Max's Ardents. If I were him, I would buy that bike for $1,300. And then I would buy Stan's Arch EX wheel set. He also says he's 160 pounds. What wheels does it come with? Sun, Sun Relay Chargers. chargers. Th- those are tubeless ready. I think those are tubeless. Yeah, it says right here they're tubeless ready. They're not bad. Like- well, but but let me finish. Okay. If he wants to spend $2,000, right, he should buy that bike, and then he should buy a set of Stan's wheels for 500 bucks, right? How much does he weigh? 160 160 okay. So he should buy a pair of Archie X's. Okay. Yeah, they'll be a little lighter than those. He should get rid of the haze brake. He should get a set of XT brakes, and mm-hmm. he would spend exactly $2,000. And then he could sell... The sunring leg wheels, and he could sell the haze brakes, and he would have a bomb-proof bike. And if he were going to replace just one of those things, I would say replace the brakes. Yeah, I would replace the brakes before I replaced anything else. You and don't you can tell him. That, friends don't uh, let friends ride haze brakes. Um, we have. I'll check to see if we have another one. We may not have another medium, but I may very well have a medium uh, Santa Cruz highball that's got similar wheels, similar build. Um, and it's going to be a similar price. So if you're interested in that, let me know. Outdoors Incorporated. Yep. But Kenny, I mean, there's nothing, I'm not going to talk bad. I'm not going to talk bad about that bike. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, just know that you're taking a slight risk with if you have an issue with the frame, it's going to be a little bit more of a runaround to get it taken care of. So I would definitely check on the warranty and who you have to go through if you have issues with it. Um, but yeah. Also, what I've noticed with any of the uh, and also consider resale. So if me pimping what I've got, the resale on the Santa Cruz is going to be really good. The resale on a Goblin is going to be that. Actually, I mean, I was about to say that. On a lot of, like, the performance bikes and stuff, I see them put really terrible components like stems and handlebars on them. But this is actually, like, trivative, uh stylo stuff. Like, so the it's, build. Like, the components so it's not, on that bike, I have no real problem with. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's not... They didn't put, like, a forged steel stem on No, it's not, anything. like, stupid house brand stuff, which is yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, so, you got to think, though, Tim rode his last bike, which... Inarguably, is a hunk of crap. Yeah. for three uh-huh. years. So yeah. if he gets this really nice bike, I bet he'll. Oh yeah, this is going to be think, way a big improvement over what he had. No, I don't think resale. Tim doesn't. Oh, I guess what I'm getting at is Tim's not a bike flipper. Obviously, yeah. he's not one that's moving through bikes. It yeah. doesn't seem like he's really worried about his resale as much as he's worried about getting a good bike. Yeah, because I'm assuming that Tim is going to be riding this bike in 2016 still. And if you hold on to a bike for one or two years, you probably want to get something like name brand because. You have to deal with selling it, but yeah, if you're going to hold on to a bike until it doesn't work anymore, then yeah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter. Or if you're going to do the same thing again in the future, you're going to give it to your brother or your buddy. You know, if your buddy's been like riding a, a twenty-six crap. inch yeah. wind, yeah, or just riding like a five hundred dollar like Trek forty-three hundred or something. You know, yeah. there you can always get rid of that bike. And like I, I don't know, I just when I read into the, like for instance, my I know a guy that rides like S Works everything. And it's like, well, that's cool and all. And he rides the bike for like eight months and he sells it. And I'm like, that's, he's like, oh, the new one came out and it's got like DI3 on it. And I'm like, whatever, (laughs) you got to get it. And it's just like, whatever, bro. It's got that new SRAM electric. But before you do anything, my name is Kenny. Give me a call. Cordova outdoors. And, uh, and he'll chew an energy bar into your ear. Yeah. So I'm happy to do whatever you want. You want to swap stuff out, I buy stuff back. You want to do anything custom, new wheels, new brakes, whatever it is, we'll do it. So just let me know. And uh, maybe another thing, y'all have a ton of demo bikes in that size. Are any of those coming to the end of their lifespan? Mm, not just yet. I have a medium uh, I have a medium highball setup single speed. Uh, but you can at least ride it around and get an idea for the frame size and all that good stuff. Uh, but no, they're not. Not at the end of their life just yet. Okay. Then you'd get to meet Kenny, and I bet Kenny would even autograph a bike if you if you bought it from him. I will. You could do. You could bring the bike here, and all three of us could autograph it if he bought it from from outdoors. Yeah. <laughs> because that would improve the value of it immensely. <laughs> I'll hold the marker in my mouth. <laughs> I don't even know what that's supposed to mean. So. Uh, I'll hold it in my hand. Uh. So. Just a. Since we had a lot of questions, I really want to cover those because people have taken the time to send us questions, and I, I think all those were pretty good questions. Obviously, because Tim lives in our town, and he sent a very detailed question. He sent a couple of different links. He sent price points. Like There's four hyperlinks in this one email. He tells us what he's riding, where he wants to, how he wants to ride. He tells us where he's going to ride in the future because we told him to. He tells us bikes he's been contemplating. He tells us how tall he is, what size bike he's riding, and how much he weighs, I mean, and his budget. I mean, he told us everything he could need. We could need to know about Tim 
I mean, if he gave us his social security number, we could have a credit card in his name tomorrow. I mean, like... We could just buy a bike for him. Yeah. So, uh, I think that's a, a really good question, and... Uh, is that would, our winner? I think Tim is the winner, winner, chicken dinner, and if Tim is a, a new listener, what I would like to kind of, I guess, challenge Tim to do is get a new bike, and I would really like to hear from Tim in the next six months about his new bike. Um, I think that'd be neat. I'd like to hear what he got and how he came to that final decision. And, um, you know, if he wanted, we could like meet and record a little segment in person, uh, cause he's close and that would be neat if you're just totally adverse to that. We don't have to, but it's pretty creepy, man. I mean, yeah, a little bit. You know what? I mean, I've met this guy before though. Oh, okay. I was going to say, like, are we going to, like, go to this guy's house? Is that kind of weird? Well, no. Like, I saw him walking out of the trail with this broken derailleur hanger, and I'm like, I have one of those in my closet at home, and I'm never going to use it. I was like, just, like, call me tomorrow, and I'll give it to you. And he, like, <laughs> drove by my work one day, and I walked outside, and I was like, here's a derailleur hanger. And it was, like, still in the little package and everything. And he's like, really? I'm like, I don't want anything. Just have it. Just get out of here. He might have, like, <laughs> made me take 20 bucks or 10 bucks or something. I don't remember, really. But... It's just cool story, bro. I was like, I don't need this. Tim, you're the winner. What's winner, winner. Did anything happen like out behind the dumpster or anything? No, I'm not. I'm not Matt Robbins. I gotcha. <laughs> um, you haven't known him since high school, so. Oh, <laughs> uh, let's see. So it's not okay. We have a. I don't know if we really have a like a what's hot and what's not because the weather's awful here. And we haven't been doing anything. It's cold. Uh, it's really cold. That's why I didn't do it. That like my my last week um, update was that I ran a bunch. Well, what's hot and what's not? Isn't that about like products? I was saying like I don't really know what's uh, new. Well, what's hot? I nine hubs. They're always hot. They're and, always hot. Uh, Knox Skyline rim hoops. Super hot. Um, I know what's not hot. Well, Matt does. Matt has a what's not hot. Um, and what's pissing Matt off and a product review all in one. Is it a new bottom bracket adapter? It's not a new bottom bracket adapter. Um, oh, you know what? Before you go into that, I just do, I just do want to like say the same thing I told you like when you walked in. And I was like, did you hear um, that new Ibis, the Mojo, that they they re, they mm-hmm. like revamp, revamped the Mojo. Oh, and the 26er? No, they made it a 27.5, like, more enduro oh. style. Oh. Like, they made, you know, they made some improvements to it. Is it, it enduro blue? It's probably enduro blue. They the, better have The picture enduro I saw, blue. it was green, but... I want to, um, right now, but all, it is, all I want to do is... It I, is. I'm really conflicted. I want to Photoshop Matt's picture right now with how he looks. Like, I can't decide <laughs> if he is... <laughs> like Yoda? Yeah, I was thinking, Like a really big like Yoda? Obi-Wan Kenobi or the Emperor. Like I don't know which one. Oh yeah, I'm he definitely more, has. He has a, more of an emperor. Look I'm right leaning now. more towards emperor. But, yeah. uh, but anyway, that that new Ibis, they are sticking with their guns with the threaded bottom bracket. Brand new, totally revamped bike, threaded bottom bracket. Yeah, their new one. What's it called? What's the 29er? I don't know. It was like Ripley. real popular. The Ripley. The Ripley has that goddamn press fit bottom bracket. It's so stupid. Yeah, they're sticking with the threaded one on this. Good. Yep. So, good. so go ahead, Matt. Sorry, maybe, that maybe was that was a up, new hot thing. Maybe to back up a tiny bit, uh, the listener email you're going to get some stuff in the mail, and that's only available through uh, the sponsor of the email segment of today's show, which is Industry Nine. We do appreciate them, not just in a, their hubs are great, but thank you for supporting the show. Um, if you're out there and you're trying to decide on which hubs you should get, not only are we really, really big fans of them, but they support us, which allows you to hear us. So 
even more reason for you to go and spend your money. Just go get three sets of pillar carbons and just do it. Right. <laughs> um, so uh, this is something I've been wanting to do for a while, and I finally have enough information at my fingertips in order to do a a quick little review, and I don't want to take too long with it. Um, but over the last year and a half, I've ridden three different pairs of shoes. Uh, one would be a CD Dominator 5 Fit. Um and for those of you that are wondering what the fit is, CD Dominators used to only come in one version. They they had a shoe, and then they had a wide, which they called a mega. Now they have a, a the traditional would be called a fit, which doesn't make any sense because they now have a high volume one, which they call the pro. It really should be called like the fat foot. Right, but you think that the pro would be like the slimmer, sleeker one, uh, but it's not. It's the fit. I guess it's a slimmer fit. Uh, is the, the tighter shoe. So I was riding the more low volume or more traditional CDs. Uh, I've tried a pair of the Bontrager, uh, I think it's the RXL, the, the nicer mountain shoe that runs about 275. And most recently I've ridden in the Pearl Izumi X Project 2.0s. Um, and kind of starting with my issues with the, uh, Bontragers, they're, they, they never seem quite that comfortable. Um, and I exploded one of the buckles on them one day, uh, very much my fault. I was doing cyclocross dismounts, and my my foot snagged in the spokes on my front wheel, and it exploded the buckle. So I retired those for a short period. Um, I got a pair of CDs that same day and started riding those, that, that pair of CD Dominators, and I rode in them for a long time, and I just have finally admitted to myself that they're not comfortable. They're Well, they have a plastic tread on them, too, which sucks. Well, I was going to get into that. So okay. they don't have any toe cap protection, so the end of the shoe is just leather. So if you kick anything while walking, the shoes really don't fare that well, and your toes inside the shoes really don't fare that well. Um, I found that out during Pisgah. I had a lot of time walking and pushing. Um, at one point, I started just cussing loudly and, like, running with my bike because I was doing this hike a bike that I just could not wait for it to be over. I just hated it, hated everything about it. I was pushing my bike. You couldn't see 50 feet in front of you because it was so foggy. It was just like everything was wet. Everything was slippery. I couldn't grip anything. I kept slipping. I, I wanted to throw my bike down the mountain and just like hike in. Um, but I didn't do that. Uh, anyways, the, the, there's really no toe cap protection. Um, the soles are really not that stiff and the, as Andrea said, the lugs on the bottom of the shoe, the rubber is, is very hard. Uh, it's not very soft. It's like a high durometer rubber, so it doesn't have much grip. Um, uh, and it, it's just not going to offer a lot of traction when you're walking on roots or rocks. Like if you're just walking on dirt or grass or sand, it doesn't really matter. They do great. They make a great cyclocross shoe, but they don't really make a good mountain bike shoe. Um, I got some new buckles for the Bontrager shoes and started trying to ride in those again. And, uh, they just maybe weren't like quite right for me. I, I was kind of, I was like, you know, I just want to try some new shoes. Um, I was having an issue with them where the buckle was slipping. It's a, it's a two piece buckle. It's really hard to describe, but imagine the, the top buckle is removable, not just the buckle, but the strap. So you have your normal buckle that attaches to the shoe. And, and ratchets. Then, and ratchets. And then you have the big strap that would plug into that buckle. Well, that strap plugs into the crank side of your shoe. And that interface was slipping. And there's nothing there you can do to really 
tension it and hold it in place. Um, I've since talked to the local track dealer and they talked to track and track sent me some new upper straps, like the entire over strap piece that goes in. Um, I haven't had the option of, or the opportunity to ride those yet. I just picked those up yesterday. Um, but I tried those Pearl Zumi, what was it? X project 2.0s and I put them on and I was like, wow, these feel really good. And I put new cleats on them and I went out and I did like a quick easy ride in them on a Thursday or a Friday. And then I don't remember what I did on Saturday. And then on a Sunday, I did two cyclocross races back to back. Um, that was the day that I raced cross. I zip tied my shifter and raced cross single speed right after it. And when that was all said and done, I couldn't walk. Uh, my feet hurt so bad that I could not walk. Like I limped for an entire week. Um, and the, the shoe rubbed on this bone in my foot on the outside edge underneath my ankle. So your normal cycling shoe is cut pretty low under the ankle bone on the outside and it dodges that next bony piece. Uh, but the, the Pearl Azumi shoes cut pretty high and it goes just below your large ankle bone and it rubbed on the top of that smaller ankle bone and it did something to it where like, no joke, I just couldn't walk. Like I can't put those shoes on my feet and walk up and down the length of the garage without wanting to fall down. It hurts so bad. Um, and I just, I couldn't figure it out. It didn't make any sense. And it took a, a good bit of like piddling back and forth to figure out that it was actually the shoe rubbing on my foot because it, it, there's so little pressure there, but it's just somewhere that most shoes don't ever touch that it's really weird. It's like when you, when you make the stepping motion, you know, the, the arch of your foot presses against the top of the shoe and it tightens up between the bridge of your foot and like the back of your heel and it tightens it up around the ankle and it, it just really hurts. I, I just wasn't able to wear them and ride in them. Um, luckily I purchased them somewhere that has a, a no questions return policy and I've, I've returned them now. Um, I've cleaned them up very well and took the cleats off of them and I'm just going to return them. They'll, end up in a bargain warehouse somewhere at some Did point. Did you actually get those sent back? They are in the mail. That's cool. It only took 11 days, but I got them in the mail. Um, and I'm very glad that they, they do that, that they take them back, but I'm kind of bummed that I have three pairs of, or I've had three pairs of shoes now, and then I don't really love any of them. The, the CDs are just, they're just kind of bland. They're not that nice. They, they just don't do what I want them to do. Um, and the, the Bontrager shoes, that buckle thing, like if the new buckles don't hold themselves in place and they, they don't want to stay fit and firm, I'm going to use, uh, some more drastic measures. I'm going to take the shoe and I'm going to tape everything off and I'm going to inject a bunch of construction adhesive down into that hole and plug the <laughs> buckles in. Um, I mean, the way it stands right now, I have a $275 pair of shoes that that my warranty time period has passed on. Like, I haven't really ridden in them much. They gave me some trouble, and I, like, put them in the closet and didn't ride them. So while they are almost two years old, they definitely have not been used. But, like, probably six months of that two years, just because I, I just didn't ride them. I kind of turned my nose up at them. Um, so they don't have a lot of life or a lot of use on them. They're just kind of aged. So 
I'm not able to get a new pair for free or, or uh, you know, I, they, them sending me new buckles was Trek going above and beyond what they are kind of required or asked to do. Um, but it's not like I'm going to void my warranty by injecting constructive construction adhesive down into the buckle if it doesn't work. And I, when I say the buckle, I mean like the, the crank side piece where I've been having. Once the, you get it set, it shouldn't really move. Right, but it does move, and it only moves when I dismount. So if I jump off my bike, it'll loosen itself by one click. And when that happens, it then I have to tighten my shoe up. And the only way I've found to make it not do that is to tighten my shoes more than I like them to be tight, and then it doesn't slip at all, but then my shoes are too tight. So it's like, well, that doesn't, you know, it just doesn't help. So that's kind of where I'm at. Um, I've been talking back and forth with some, some, uh, other people about shoes and I've, I've really ran into some, some big predicaments. Um, I mean, I know Kenny works at a bike shop here in town, but he's not the buyer. So I can say this, um, I've been to the bike shops. I don't have any shoes I can put on my feet. I haven't found any shoes that I can try on. And if I can't try them on, I can't buy them, uh, because shoes fit differently just because you're hundred dollar shoe fits like such and such doesn't mean your $300 shoe is going to fit the same. So if I'm going to buy a shoe, I want to try the actual shoe that I'm going to wear on. Shoes aren't like bicycles. They don't have stack and reach. They don't have geometry. They don't have anything. They're, they're shoes. You, you have to put them on your feet and you have to feel them. Um, and unfortunately I called two of the major, uh, internet places and I asked one of the people, I told him exactly what I was looking for. I'm like, I'm looking for a shoe. I want something that has some good toe cap protection and maybe some good traction on the bottom. And he tells me that he really likes this $380 shoe that is all kangaroo leather that has no toe cap protection on it. I'm like, well, I really wanted something with protection on the front. He's like, oh, it's pretty, that leather's pretty durable. I'm like, I'm not talking about the leather. I'm talking about when you stumble into a rock and it feels like your toenail is going to splinter because it like transmitted directly through the leather and into your toe. And uh, the, the next place that I called, I got a, a great gear technician that said, um, and I kid you not, well, I really like, if you've been riding CDs and those are okay, you should try the Bullet. Um, that's what I have, and I really like it. What's the Bullet? It's like a $140 shoe that's all Velcro with no toe protection. Just another CD? Just another CD that's like the knockoff cheap version of what I already have and I'm not that impressed with. <laughs> so it's like, really, guys? I mean, really? Like, I don't... I so don't, what did you end up... Uh, you, you're going to try another pair. What's what's on the horizon? No, I'm going to try the Bontragers for a while. I'm going to see okay. if the new buckle slip, and if the new buckle slip, I'm going to inject construction adhesive in there. And I'm going to do it right. I'm going to tape everything off. I'm going to make it where it doesn't get a bunch of adhesive everywhere. And I'm going to just shoot some F26 in there. And uh, I'm going to see what happens. Um, and for those of you out there that don't know, F26 is this construction adhesive. You could, you could no joke, F26 pieces of 2x4 to a brick wall, come back the next day and use those sections to climb that brick wall. It's pretty stout. Um, so this stuff, it would definitely hold my buckle in place. Um, so that's 
it's kind of where I'm at. Uh, I would like to try some Shimano shoes in the future, but I'm going to try these now because they're here and they're, they're paid for. Um, and unfortunately, I don't really want to get into that can of worms that it would open to start trying shoes from another online retailer. Um, you know, they have that great, like, the first place I got the Pearl Zimmies from was Amazon. They're just going to give me my money back. But if I go to the competitive, then I'm going to have to, I can wear them, but I'll have to return them for a credit. And then I'll have to just continually keep trying different shoes or something until I figure out something that works. And to be honest with you, right now, I don't have the mental capacity to try shoes because it's just... Pretty much when Matt tries a shoe and it doesn't work, it ruins his, his like next three days. Well, it's just so frustrating because I'm tired of shoes that make my feet hurt when I want to go ride my bike, but I don't really want to deal with other new shoes that I just spent money on also hurting my feet to go ride my bike. So right now I can just use already paid for shoes to hurt my feet to ride my bike. (laughs) Oh, man. Um, What else do we have? Anything? No. You guys should all go to mountainbikeradio.com slash support JRA uh, or go to the Just Riding Along page and you'll find uh, a big yellow button where it, that says support JRA. Uh, go there and kick us a little bit of money. Uh, we would suggest your tithe should be um, two-thirds of your – what is it? A third of your – is it two-thirds of your income you give to – no. It's a tenth. A tenth? Okay. I thought there are churches that say a third or something. Or was that how much you pay for a wedding ring? (laughs) (laughs) You're just like all discombobulated. I think tithing is supposed to be 10%. And a wedding ring. Yeah, and a wedding ring is supposed to be two months' salary. Well, I knew there was a two in there somewhere. Two months' salary? Really? I think that's right. Two or three months' salary? That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. That's, that's what I've always been You told. know, there are some basic bitches out there. I am not getting married. <laughs> what are you saying? That's too much or too little? That's a lot of money for a piece of jewelry. That so you're saying that's too much. That's way that's too way much. Way too much. Yeah. That's entirely too much. That's what I've always been told. Yeah, well, that's just what ring companies, diamond people... That's what people, I've done for the last four I've bought. So. <laughs> that's what the diamond people just tell women, that they should be insisting... Well, of course. I mean, why? some guy <laughs> spends two months of his salary on blood diamonds. Pretty much. All right. Well, anyway, uh, click on support JRA and uh, give us your tithe um, for the show. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we only we only require one month's salary. Yeah. To go to JRA. Exactly. I'd, I'd take twenty dollars. I ain't even gonna lie. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, send some stuff our way. Um, Matt, how cranky are you? You're like way, you're like balls deep in that Snuggie over there. Um, does that mean you're really cranky? You know, I'm not cranky. I'm just cold. All right. On a scale of one to five, how cranky are you? <laughs> I mean, cold. <laughs> okay, so not cranky. That's a one? No, I mean, I'm cold enough to be crabby. So, like. He's so cranky, you cannot put it in numbers. No, I mean, it's just. Like, okay, so on a scale of 1 to 10, with 1 being not tired and 5 being the most tired, uh, where are you on that scale of 1 to 10? get a number. <laughs> I hate you. That's how tired I am. Because of 1 to... That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. 
I mean, I can't even. It's like five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Do they have equal values? No, like, it's like a bell curve of tired. Like, would ten be the you're so tired you're not sleepy anymore? Yeah, yeah, something like that. <laughs> he just went, he just regressed inside of the Snuggie like a turtle. <laughs> I hate you guys. I hate you so much. <laughs> Uh, do we have anything else that we have no. to put in? Okay. Well, no, fine. nothing else. All right. No one loves us. All right. No, it's just cold. Why is it so cold? It's only November Because you're 17. next to a big window that's drafty. And that doesn't make it 19 degrees outside tonight. Because Al Gore turned on the air conditioning, okay? You know what? Al Gore. Mitch McConnell. It was Mitch McConnell. Yeah. Mitch yeah. McConnell turned on the air conditioning. That's Thanks. It's his fault. All right, this has been another episode of Just Riding Along, brought to you by Pro Gold, Industry 9, and Pro Gold again. Good night. <laughs>